If you love comics, you'll be in the bed. Listen to, listen to the comic syndicate. If movies, movies make you contemplate, just science, just science will commentate. Twitter, Twitter for communication at Comic Syndicate 1. I was drowning in a sea of podcasts, and I found the one I need at long last. Book reviews, the news, and sex facts. It's, it's more than anyone can ask for. Come to Comic Syndicate Podcast. Episode of the Comic Syndicate. Check them out at thecomicsyndicate.podbean.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to the Comic Syndicate, episode 331. I'm your host, Josias, at For the Villain on Twitter, at comic underscore syndicate on Instagram. What's up, guys? Uh, I have a really long show, so let's hit it like we normally do what we spoke about 100 episodes ago. Episode 231, I entitled hashtag Red Hooding It. This week at For the Villain Hits, what we spoke about 100 episodes ago, drops an old school WonderCon story. I don't remember what story that one was. A uh, story then finally goes into bullet points where we get news on a new project, content coming soon. <laughs> oh my gosh, the other podcast, the third podcast, along with Deep Dives and Rabbit Holes, news and update. Then finally rose comic talk, comic news, James Bond 25, new Transformers, Bumblebee trailer, and thoughts, Game of Thrones, Disney, MCU, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 script, Marvel, Netflix, Daredevil, Kingpin, Iron Fist, Blindspot, News, DC Extended Universe, Arrowverse, Crossover, Elseworlds, Chat, The Joker, Director Releases, Walking Phoenix's Set Pictures, Birds of Prey, Casting and News, New Marvel Comics Series and Cancellations, and finally Roxum Comic Reviews, DC Comics, Red Hood and the Outlaws, number two, annual number two. Scott Liddell was the writer of that. Clayton Henry was the artist. Marcelo Maiolo does the inks on those. It was Book of the Week, Red Hood, uh, along with Red Hood, out the outlaw. Uh, number 26, DC Comics. Scott Liddell also wrote that. Pete Woods was the artist and inker. Yeah, so that was episode two, um, yeah, 231. A few days after that, I recorded another episode of Deep Dives and Rabbit Holes. This one was called Hashtag Front. Or the back. I don't know why we entitled it this for this particular reason. Welcome to another episode of Deep Dives and Rabbit Holes. This week, RG Floors and at For the Villain discuss a topic everyone has an opinion on, quote-unquote, unspoken rules. Not etiquette necessarily, but also to be self-aware of how you do or perceive things in your life. Think we're wrong? Try us and we're sure to hit those uh, tones that get to you as well. Okay, that makes more sense now. So unspoken rules, uh, just etiquette, like uh, be aware of your surroundings type of thing. Uh, now after reading that synopsis, I'm like, okay, that's what we spoke about. Again, don't know why exactly we called it front or the back. It sounds way more sexual than it than what it sounds. Um, but yeah, if you guys are ever curious about the deep dives and rabbit holes, completely different podcasts than what you are listening to right now, give those a shot. I have one banked up that I was going to play about Christmas season. 
and I'm not going to for several particular reasons. I'll go into in, in a bit. Uh, let's hit some bullet points, some shout outs real quick. Uh, and before I do this time, I really need to tell you this, the listeners. Um, this is if this is one, if not my single and best and favorite part of doing the show. Uh, to build an audience from scratch, from nothing, you know, from ground zero, and to not just be able to be creative, that's always cool, and to put out, you know, decent content, uh, but honestly, also to give you guys uh, and girls uh, a voice to sound off on as well. I always try to make everyone feel welcomed, and it's always great to hear from you guys, and not going to lie, sometimes it does get overwhelming with juggling so much shit sometimes, I mean, that's it, but you... You guys, uh, the way you guys share your stories back with me as well, I, I love it. And I do love all of you guys. Uh, more of you guys go way more deeper on certain topics than than others. But again, I, I love it. It's therapy for me too. Um, I know you guys respond back sometimes, a lot of times, with personal stories. And they resonate with me. You know, like uh, I, I love that you guys can also feel vulnerable in a way and reach out to and obviously I'm not a stranger cuz you guys do reach out and and I love it so I just wanted to start there first uh first bit of twitter uh, I guess instagram shout out is going to be from Corey JL on instagram I have not heard from you in a while Corey so thanks for uh hopping back on and, and listening to to the last episode so this is uh what she says obviously as a parent yeah my kids my kid does inspire me I have an obligation to do the best I can for him, but I'm very motivated by my own past experiences. I look back and see how far I've come, and that inspires me. I don't want to go back to where I was 15, 10, or even five years ago, and I'm super inspired by my own fucking achievements to keep going and doing better. So I agree. Great response, and and just thanks for reaching out, Corey. I do appreciate it. Next one is going to be uh, from Mr. Alex Thorne. Thanks for uh, hopping on board again, Alex. I do appreciate it. Notes from most recent, from the most recent pod. Uh, the accidental carjacking stuff is pretty funny. I can't think of anything that could be considered a useless superpower, but my gut with people on first contact. I can usually tell if someone is a bad person right off the bat, and I just get some weird feeling when meeting them. I don't know. It hasn't failed me yet, and it isn't really useless because it's gotten me out of some bullshit more times than once. As for what I do uh, to get out of anger and stuff, I end up either going to karate, and I forget you're a karate dude, uh, or sort of dance, pacing to music while imagining elaborate scenarios of fantasy and shit. I didn't know you were a dancer, Alex. Also threw me off, dude, but very cool um, that, that you... Well, can you share that? But like, you know, it's it's cool, dude. I didn't know you you were a dancer. Um, and for inspiration, it's never one thing, and most of the time, just happens at random from random things. I agree with you. Anyways, love the podcast. Was assembling a ton of mock Star Wars Lego as I listened. I love that so much, Alex. I'm a fucking nerd. Uh, obviously, you know that by now. But um, I, I appreciate that, Alex. Thank you so much, dude. Uh, last one of the week. I haven't heard from in a while. Linny McLin. And Homegirl was binging again the podcast. And, and I like <laughs> – like God, dude. I like and always appreciate all you guys. And I – Lynn, when you write, dude, like holy shit, dude. <clears throat> I love it. But it's all, you make this a lot harder for shout-outs. Um, and I, I had to pull the best one because I know you like to give like a topic, bullet points for the most part of – 
each episode and each segment of the show, which I do appreciate. But um, this is off of a Facebook message and off of episode 327, The Good Old Days and hashtag backflips. Oh, yes, mind and body conflict 24-7, especially post five broken ribs. My mind says, do you really want to risk injury? You're already used seven out of your nine lives. How many comebacks do you think you've got left, yo? No, for real. The PTSD. Dude, it's been a couple of years. It's taken a metric ton of mental work to get back behind the wheel. It's all about the interior self-talk. You got this. Pay the fuck attention. Be in the moment. You have no choice. Choice. No one's coming and saving you. You got to save yourself. Most days I win. Other days, not so much. I mean, Lynn, we're only human after all, right? Um, so continuing on, on her message. It seems at times the most dangerous thing I do is move in the shower with my eyes closed while shampooing my hair. Uh, again, trust me, I feel you. I, I, I feel your pain on that one, homegirl. Like, I mean, I told a story how I ate shit in the, in the shower a few months ago. And um, I'm, I'm about 98%. Um, it, I can sleep on my left side now, which is fantastic. And I can breathe and, and laugh and, and sneeze without, you know, my, my ribs hurting anymore. So that's that's great. So I feel your pain on that, Lynn. She continues on. And other days, like this past summer, getting back on the back of a jet ski, the pride I feel when I do overcome things far outweighs the dread and fear leading up to pushing through. I mean, I'm not out, out here skydiving the East Coast, but I'm doing all right. But if I can get out of it, I won't drive if I don't have to. P PTSD is effing real. And you know you touched on the healing factor. I guess for me, all you got to say is, well, at your age, dot, dot, dot. And I will automatically prove you wrong. Um, so, yeah, dude. Um, thank you, Lynn. Uh, I always appreciate, again, the fact that you guys share stories with me. And I know this wasn't a personal story because I know you put it on Facebook and, and it's like, okay, I hope you're okay. There's not much I can do or say. Um, so if I can talk about something on the show that resonates with you guys and gets you guys thinking about certain things, topics, comics, movies, books, whatever it is I bring up, whatever I touch on, that it can resonate with you guys back, I appreciate. And the fact that you shared this story, dude, um, I do know you were in a car accident and I'm I'm glad you're you're back to, to getting back to your old self, dude. So uh, next, last bits of shout-outs are going to be the Weird Street Podcast with my boy Jacob Medina and his wife, Eva. Please find them. Great little uh, indie podcast, just like the Comic Syndicate. The Oh No, Not Another One, hosted by Sarah Kitsinis and Derek Krentz. And last but not least, always, find my boy Adam Garza, uh, Adam Garza, Hector Cornejo, and Ben Davis on the Comics and Tortillas podcast. Uh, funny and cool thing about this one, uh, Saturday night I was watching movies and Adam hit me up out of the blue kind of, it was late. It was like 11 o'clock, at least 11 o'clock on Saturday. And, um, he's like, what are you up to? I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what other movie to watch next. I forgot what movie had finished up. And he's like, did you read X-Men 29? I'm like, yeah, dude, I, I told you I read it. He's like, it was fucking good. He's like, do you have time? I'm like, what do you have in mind? I thought he wanted to call him just shoot the shit. He's like, do you want to talk about it? <laughs> and I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do it. So I he had me on the Comics and Tortillas podcast, and it was about X-Men number 29. And it's a complete 
breakdown of it. We recorded like over an hour just fully dissecting this comic, this issue that we both fucking loved. And it's going to be uh, on my review on this show. So Adam sent me – well, he already put it up on YouTube. So if you guys want to watch it, uh, you can find the Comics and Tortillas uh, on YouTube. Find his YouTube channel. Please subscribe to him. He's – gives great reviews his is the only comic podcast i do listen to i don't listen to the comic syndicate i don't listen to anything i do honestly uh the most i will i will do is edit i have to listen to edit and i just don't like the sound of my voice so um he kind of invited me on the the end of the year podcast um that they recorded and i told kind of let them know like i appreciate it but if i'm on your show I won't listen, and definitely not the vain factor. It's more if I'm on, I know what I spoke about, so I don't want to listen to myself. Like I like listening to you guys, if that makes sense to to you guys, uh, the listeners. And um, so, yeah, I shot him down on that, but I know they put their best of end of the year show, and then they're going to take a small hiatus for for the Christmas break. And this is where I'm going with this, and. Um, I was able to do a show with Adam, and it was fucking dope. And again, it was something we loved. We went an hour and ten minutes. Again, if you guys want to see the video, please do so. Find Adam there. But he also sent me the audio that I'm going to download. I have it on my laptop, and I needed to know and configure, like, okay, if the review is good enough for you guys, the way I review it, and then for us to fully break down and go 150% into spoiler country going through that. Um, if it if it just sounds cool to you, even if you don't read X-Men, um, I'm going to play that one towards the end of the week, our, our full breakdown of it. And um, when I go through my reviews, you're, you're going to know like, okay, fuck, this is why he liked it so much. Uh, and to round off bullet points, my my end of the year show. Uh, best of 2023, best of the year, uh, and I believe I, – I really believe I have a special episode for you guys. I really, really wholeheartedly believe it. The work I'm already putting into it, you guys have zero idea how much work I'm putting into it. Um, I I really hope you all enjoy it. If I nail it, it it'll be fucking good, and I'll be happy. But recording and just doing these makes me happy anyways. So to the old school listeners, <laughs> you guys, I have some fucking surprises for you. And to the new listeners, I'm hoping I can get a few laughs out of you guys, uh, share some good stories with you guys. And I'm also going to play some some outtakes of me directing actors. I know that sounds extremely odd. And now you're, I know you're probably thinking to yourself, directing actors, Josiah, we know you're up to a lot of wacky shit, but when the fuck did you direct actors? I directed, I directed actors, guys. Um, legit directing, legit actors, and it's fucking funny, and I'm going to play about four minutes of that audio. I'm going to go old school, old school. I'm going to cut loose big time on that show, and, and I can't wait. I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm going to record that December 23rd, so the weekend before Christmas. Um, yeah, that weekend of the 23rd, that Saturday. And yeah, I, I'm going to I'm going to go long. It's going to be, fuck, dude, hopefully no longer than an hour and a half. But I'm going to bring – I want to surprise you guys, but – the old school comics syndicate, like what the fuck news, sex facts, um, 
uh, Jesus shit list. Like everything's coming back, dude. And I just want it to be fun and funny for you guys. And I think I'm a funny cat, but when I do stuff like this by myself, it's hard to know or gauge a reaction getting a, a laugh out of you guys. Unless you guys tell me, okay, that was fucking funny. Um, like uh, uh, <laughs> the Butterbean episode um, that I got a bunch of you guys to crack up over me stumbling over calling Bumble- Bumblebee. I almost did it again. Bumblebee Butterbean. And I was like, how do you correlate both of those together, Josiah? Was funny. And I'm like, I'm just going to keep that on the fucking show. And that was the part that got a lot of people laughing. So anyways, uh, all that to say is it's hard to to gauge the the laughs, but I think I have a good show. So again, I'm looking forward to it as always. Uh, That's about it. Yeah. Um, the, The podcast I just mentioned, please find them, like them, subscribe to them. And as always, if you guys can, subscribe to the Comic Syndicate anywhere you guys can find podcasts. Leave a review on those host sites, whether it be Podbean, uh, Spotify, Google, any Google, you know, Google Play podcast, anywhere you guys, iHeartRadio, wherever you guys can find podcasts, like, subscribe, leave a review there as well. Uh, I was thinking about this particular thing, like um, this, the comic syndicate is always going to be free for you guys. I'm never going to do a Patreon ever. Um, I'm never going to ask you guys for money ever. Um, The most I'm going to ask for ever is like subscribe share the podcast that's the most i can ask for you guys but um yeah no paywalls ever uh even with three podcasts like technically you're getting three podcasts even though the audio chronicles i haven't interviewed anyone in a while but we'll save that for next year because i am already having a lot of things lined up for next year all right give me a few and i will be right back with some comic talk Hey, this is Scott Snyder. I'm writing All-Star Batman uh, this year, and you're listening to the Comic Syndicate. I'm Mitch Garrett, the artist and Sheriff of Babylon. I'm Tom King, the writer of Sheriff of Babylon, and you're listening to the Comic Syndicate. Syndicate. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, and you're listening to the Comics Syndicate. Hi, my name is Brian Bucciolato, and I listen to Comic Syndicate. Hi, this is Chris Michelle, and we're hanging out here at Frank and Sons, and we're having a good time on a Sunday or Saturday afternoon, and uh, you're listening to me live on the Comic Syndicate. Hi, this is Brian Michael Bendis, and you are listening to the Comic Syndicate. Comic Talk. Whoa, not the last thing. Um, <laughs> I'm fucking smooth. Um, I could, I didn't scroll a little bit further down. Um, question of the week before I continue on uh, to to comic reviews, comic news, all that stuff. Um, question of the week for this week. So it's always based on something I've read, and there are several reviews. Actually, fuck, three out of the four reviews this week um, happen to have a somewhat similar theme for me to come up with this particular question, question of the week. And this is going to sound a little bit fucked up and I hope it's not. Um, but I thought it was interesting and I, I'll give you my response, my initial thought. Um, so past or present whom or what has been your biggest adversary in life? And I know it's kind of a fucked up question because if you think about it, 
it's going to differ from person to person, obviously. If someone had or suffered from mental illness, if someone went through some traumatic experience as a kid, you know, if you used to stutter when you were younger, like it can be personal. So, so I understand that. That's why I, I said it's, it's kind of a fucked up question, but it's a really honest question. And I always like asking these things and it helps me learn about you guys, but it also helps me self uh, look at myself too, you know? And so the self-reflection is, is there and self-reflect on the things I've done and experienced in my life and think about things, you know? So, so this one in particular, um, what is what has been my biggest adversary in life? Uh, if we were talking youngster Josias, young kid Josias, would have to be my self-confidence, like just self-confidence. Like I was a fat little short kid. So uh, – and I never thought I was a good-looking kid, like the whole self-cautious thing. Like I, I'm – I didn't think I was a good-looking kid. Um, I knew I was smart. I – I used to get picked on and made fun of a lot as a kid, and I'm scratching my head as I fucking say this. Uh, and I, uh, it made me number one grow thick skin, like it, it, nothing hurts me. And then, and also getting made fun of, it also made me very witty and 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 sharp on retorts, responses back to someone talking shit on you. So quick on my feet and shoot the shit back and. And, and, and just literally talk shit back, you know, like we used to call it bagging and bagging contests. And later on in life, your mama jokes was it were a thing. And then so doing that, having that witty, witty banter, it's shit talking straight up. Um, So so little Josiah was a ch chubby fat kid. And again, the self-cautious thing, like I – when I was a kid, that's that's what my biggest adversary was, and um, yeah, I think that's it, really. Um, and then thinking about it more, I have an interesting one um, as well. But you guys are gonna have to wait on that one. So let's hit some uh, comic reviews, comic news. I did pull up. Let me see if I did actually move any of those over, and that's gonna be a no. <laughs> so let's just hit comic reviews. Uh, if you guys like any of these. Uh, any of these reviews, find them out, search them out. Um, I get asked a lot. Uh, what, what's a, what's a good place to start for comics? It's like, well, I always ask first question I ask back, well, what kind of comics do you like? Do you like fun? Do you like superheroes? Do you like horror? Like there's something for everyone for sure. Do you like writing more? Do you appreciate art more? And it gives me an idea like, okay, well, if you like these things or even people asking me, my kid wants to get into comics. Uh, I don't know where to start. It's like, okay, well, how old are they? And depends on the age. I can point them in the right direction as well. Um, so, yeah, always very cool. So, yeah, I just love it. Um, let's hit reviews real quick. Damn it. Uh, these were all really fucking good. Let's start off with – you know what? Let's start off here. So this is going to be a Skybound Image Comics. It's under now the Image Skybound um, Publishing. Transformers number three, Daniel Warren Johnson is the writer and the artist. Mike Spicer is the colorist. Russ Wooten is the letterer. This one starts off with Carly, the young girl. Uh, 
Spike's friend, going to Spike's dad's house, where he's all suited up in army garb and weapons on the ready after what has happened. They've heard a bunch of giant robots are running around their city, and they hear a bunch of bombs going up. Where he now tells Carly what had happened to her dad and how he died. I did review issue number two. I'm really enjoying this title. Um, I, I grew up on Transformers in the 80s, so def- generation one. And there's always going to be the, the huge back and forth between everyone that grew up on generation two, which is the computer animated CGI cartoon-ish. And I didn't care for that. Um, I appreciate still know the characters, did watch it. It's like, this isn't this isn't my 80s stuff. Um, anyways, so... Tell me who, which one is your favorite Transformers, by the way, guys. So now Spike's dad is telling her that her dad was crushed by a giant robot. And as the dialogue continues, she's able to describe this particular robot to the T, to the dad. And I have to get, I can't say I really have been enjoying this title so far because all, all the action um, that goes down and has been going down since issue number one. The fight scenes, the action sequences, uh, a little bit of levity. Um, the Autobots are always screwed all the time. And so as this conversation now is going down between Carly and Spike's dad, Carly is describing the same robot that happened to squish squash smashed uh murdered her, her father like just that he again gnarly action sequences and the death scenes are like fuck this is this is fucked up um so now they're at spike's dad's house the house is quickly under attack and destroyed by laser beak he's one of uh sound waves tapes and as he tries to take them out him being laser beak laser beak trying to take out carly and spike's dad <clears throat> We finally see one of the Autobots show up that happened to follow Carly over just to make sure she was okay. And that Transformer, that Autobot, happens to be Cliffjumper. And um, just very cool. He wanted to make sure he was okay. And uh, it picks up here again just as, you know, the slight fight sequences between Cliffjumper and Laserbeak are fucking cool to see. And the way Daniel Warren Johnson draws it is interesting. Like, it's not bad. It goes really well with his storytelling. He is the writer and the artist. And the action sequences are legit good fight scenes. Like, you never really picture robots moving these ways. But technically, they have joints and can move, you know, like people. So, yeah, they're going to throw fucking kicks. And it makes sense, especially the way he draws it. Very cool. So, again, I'm enjoying it. Um... Let's see where uh, okay, just praise that. Um his art his art might not be for everyone, but again, he's one of those those people like Jeff Lemire to me, where I love creators that can write and draw. Uh, I just appreciate that people can be that artistic for the most part. And again, anyways, that's a good comparison between Daniel Warren Johnson, the writer, artist of this, Transformers, and, and Jeff Lemire, just someone I love anyways. Um, so I'm digging it. Um, okay, so back to the story. To save Carly, Spike's dad does what he can, and that even means shooting someone point blank on the side of his head, thinking he's helping out Carly. The kicker behind this is he ends up shooting Cliff Jumper point blank on the side of his head, thinking he's a bad guy. 
and it's interesting because it's like, fuck, these Autobots are always fucked. And then from here, we get the Decepticon side of things. As Starscream and Soundwave now have a conversation at their base. And we see and get this feel of Starscream and his character, the type of person he is or the type of character he is. Especially when Soundwave brings up the name of Megatron. And that is something Starscream takes up as a huge offense. And... Yeah, I mean, if you guys know the history between Starscream and Megatron, you you know what it is, and it's shown on full effect here. Jumps back now in the story to Carly and Spike's dad again, as he goes to the people of the town that happen to be more gung-ho than he is. Um, and they're all ex-army, ex-military dudes and women, and just more old-school, retired army vets. Um that just know what they've been hearing now. Uh, also, the blasting, the gunshots, you know, these giant robots running around. This is where Cliff Jumper happens to show up yet again to try to talk to the group now. And, and he's met again with more, <clears throat> many, many, many more gunshots. So as as he just gets mowed down by the people, Skywarp, uh, Decepticon shows up, one of the jets shows up, and not only starts kicking Cliff Jumper's ass, but also kicking away the soldiers like punting them and again the way it's fucking it's nuts dude um and then we see uh optimus prime save cliff jumper and those fight sequences are gnarly and it's cool and i did not think i was going to like it this much um Again, the action sequences are fucking cool, and and I'm really enjoying it. Again, I'm a Transformers fan, so I had to jump in just to be like, okay, if this sucks, I'm bouncing. And this is episode, is episode three. This is episode. Fuck me, I did it again. This is issue number three, and I'm I'm on board, dude. I'm really enjoying it. Was it issue number? Might have been issue number four. Issue number three. All right, continuing on. Jeez, dude, I read some good ones. All right, I'm gonna hit another. This is an Image Comics title, and I'm really enjoying this one as well. This one is entitled Kill Your Darlings. This is issue number two. Ethan S. Parker and Griffin Sheridan are the writers. Robert Quinn is the artist. John J. Hill is the letterer and design. Uh, So Rose is a little girl that lost her mom in a fire that she may have started in issue number one. So Elliot, uh, this is issue number three, by the way. I'm sorry, guys. Let me just say that real quick. Issue number three of Kill Your Darlings. And um, this one starts off in 1887. Paris with a man walking through the city, enjoying life. Finally arriving at his home, calling out for his wife, Olivia. And as he continues around the house and up the staircase, he goes up till he finally gets to a certain room where as he opens the door, he's about, he's, he begins to hear some odd noises and like slurping of some sort. And what would you guys think it is? You get home and you hear slurping and where your lady's supposed to be. Where does your head go? So the gentleman finally opens the door and finds his wife sucking on and having a mouthful of the intestines of a baby. Where were you, what were you guys thinking there? Um, as her hands uh, are, and mouth are just full of blood. The woman, Olivia now. As the story from there then jumps to current day. Now with Rose. Elliot and Wallace. Wallace is one of uh, Rose's childhood stuffed animals that is now here to save her. So as Wallace is listening to something in particular um, that is not 
really disclosed. We don't know if he's listening to music or or what exactly he's listening to. And, and even Elliot, um, Rose's friend, even points out, like, what the fuck is he listening to back there? Anyways, it was interesting. Um, maybe like a little plot thread for later on. But we'll find out later on. Okay, so... Uh, they finally drive to a certain spot that happens to be a small building. Half of it is a barista shop, so coffee shop, and right next to it is a video store. And this is where Wallace, uh, this 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 pig elephant, um, a little adorable little goofy bastard though. Like the way it's drawn and the way this the whole title is drawn is beautiful. And the way the colors are used are fucking fantastic. And especially this issue. And I'm going to go into a few things because I really, I really loved it. So Wallace stops the two, Elliot and Rose. And he tells them this is where he believes is the nexus between worlds is potentially as Rose and Elliot now um, try to figure out where they are. And this certain spot happens to be where Rose's old house was. That's that has since been torn down. So in issue number one, the, when Rose was a child and her home got set on fire and, you know, her, her house was burnt down. Her mother died in the fire. From that day on, the people of this small town all moved away since and after the incident. So now they're back here where her old home used to be, where this, this video store slash barista shop is now is. And now they're back with Wallace breaking and entering the movie store now. And the visuals are, are great again, fantastic. And the art, it's, it's just fucking killer to begin with. Anyways, guys, I'm totally, totally digging on this big time. Hey, Lily, how you here? How you doing here? And the, uh, the visuals with the panels as they continue going through the movie store till they finally come across a certain door. And as they enter it, they see a door, uh, and just the visuals of this, they they open um, this curtain, I guess. You guys know what section of the, the, of the movie store this is. Does anyone know what a movie store is anyways? Um, so they, they pull this, this curtain and it's Rose's old room door when she was a kid. And Elliot says, this is your, and Rose answers, yes, right where it used to be. The last time I was there, I almost died. And I lost everything as Elliot just responds back. Not everything. Um, so childhood best friend and they're older now. They've, they've got to be late, late into their teens. Definitely not 18, 16, at least maybe 17. So just the, their relationship and friendship it is great to see as they now enter and go into this world or realm that Rose quickly recognizes. And Wallace now starts talking to the people and animals of this realm. And, and it's, again, it's, it's not odd, but again, the way all these animals and creatures are drawn, the art's fucking killer. Like it's all of Rose's childhood stuffed animals that, in are are roaming around this place, this fantasy land, this fantasy world that Rose was the one that created. This was her getaway place. This is what she created with her imagination. Is is really cool. And again, the way these animals are fucking drawn are fucking adorable. Um, but again, killer art as well. Uh, the different types of animals, and I really enjoy how the story progresses from here. All of Rose's old stuffed animals are are this world. It's townspeople, uh, but because she's been away for so long, most and a majority don't even recognize her or even remember who Rose is. Until Wallace takes him to some blacksmith 
slash coffee shop, owned by two of her old stuffed animals as well. And these two particular animals happen to recognize and know whom Rose is. <clears throat> and um, we see some of her other old stuffed animals that are... I appreciate the art. You can tell the other stuffed animals are somewhat emotionally damaged. And I know that's fucked up to say. Like, there is no color scheme on a couple. And it's like, what the fuck's going on? Like, the world is vibrant. And and certain characters have color. And then others are drawn with shading and black and white. Where it's like, okay, you can tell visually, obviously, something's wrong. Like, you can tell something's wrong. Yes, they look sad. But also black and white when the all the other characters are, are vibrant and full of colors is interesting. And, and I like the storytelling device they're using with, with these color schemes too, though. And it's going to make sense right now as I continue on because I had to write that down and I'm like, oh, that's fucking interesting. That's exactly what it is. <clears throat> and continuing on, um, this is where Rose finally starts asking questions now. What exactly, what exactly is going on? And Wallace tells her, we send parties outside these walls regularly to scout for refugees and bring them to sanctuary. Refugees, she answers, as Wallace now shows her what has happened to this world as they enter a guarded room now. And once they enter, we see more beautiful visuals with lack of color. And this is what helps make the story. Rose says, I don't, I don't understand what is happening to this place. And again, these pages and panels, even with the lack of color, is there for a reason. The visuals are, are just beautiful to look at. As Wallace says, our world is dying. The signs are everywhere. Day by day, the color drains away. The land is growing dim and weak. And on the outskirts of civilization, out on the fringes, death encroaches. It closes in on us as we speak, and it's clear where all the life is going. Those who have survived have given it many names, but its true form is beyond our understanding. What is clear is that this is the very same creature who destroyed Rosewood all those years ago. It has remained in your absence, feeding off of our world. Soon we'll be left with no choice. A war is coming, but now that you've returned, Rose, we might stand a chance. The sanctuary is Rosewood's final stronghold. The beast owns this place now. So very cool. And just, I'm not going to go on from there. I want you guys to find it, read it, if I'm enjoying it and talking about it. Like, as Wallace is telling her, the colors are getting seeped out of the world, like, Beautiful because they come to a certain part of, of the realm and, again, black and white and shades are used. But you see, I guess, the colors that would make up the world. is It's like seeping out and it's almost like a lava flow flowing, getting sucked out of the world. And the visuals are fucking fantastic and I loved it. And I'm like, okay, that's just dope. Like, that's exactly where it was going. Like, you can tell this character is discolored why are they discolored and it makes sense so i really enjoyed i'm enjoying this one a lot so that one was very cool very much book of the week as well actually these ones were all book of the weeks uh i reviewed issue number three and four i'm sorry two and three last week uh this one dropped last week so i had to fucking read it i am a huge daredevil fan this is going to be a marvel comics titled daredevil number four introductory rights so uh saladin ahmed is the writer german or herman peralta is artist jesus brutrov is the color artist vcs clayton cows is the letterer and this one starts off uh matt murdoch daredevil and in, in the suit now time for confession you're par to the heat 
the outfit that's practically taken over Hell's Kitchen these past few weeks. Where did your crew come from? Where did you get your guns, your funding? And Daredevil was just fucking pissed now, going to work. And one of the best ways he knows how to. Now trying to figure out how and why Bullseye is involved now in matters and why and whom exactly brought him in to take out a particular target. That's what the story is about. Daredevil trying to figure this out. And um and even Matt Murdock, Daredevil saying to himself, like, fuck, Bullseye is a dangerous motherfucker. And even the sequences, the fight sequences that do happen brief interaction between bullseye and and daredevil always dope to fucking see and something that happens in particular we see how good uh bullseye is i really enjoyed it that was the gist of the story um so yes last but not least again this is my book of the week this is going to be a marvel comics title x-men number 29 um i loved the hell out of this one uh adam and i did record Full spoiler, I'm not going to fully spoil, I'm going to just give you bits and pieces, um, but I'm going to read some dialogue to you guys too, and then if you guys, if it sounds good enough, we literally break down the whole fucking title in an hour, like it takes you like 10, 15 minutes to read a comic, like we had to, we dissected it in an hour, and it was fucking fun, and I'm going to play that for you guys towards the end of the week, I'll toss up that audio. And again, if you guys want to see the video of us on call together, uh, find Comics and Tortillas on YouTube. And find my boy Adam. Uh, let him know you found him through me. He'll, he'll definitely appreciate it. So X-Men number 29. Uh, this one is written by Gary Duggan. Joshua Casera is the artist. Marte Gracia is the color artist. Artist VCs Clayton Cowles is the letterer. This one starts off Krakoa. Then Magneto says charles mora there will be no turning back after this as charles answers i know eric magneto says back all our disagreements all the anger at the other's relentless ideology and unyielding persistence that ends today as professor x now puts on cerebro and is about to address the world with the help of cerebro but also using his telepathic abilities and he starts off by <clears throat> talking to the people of the world. Humans of planet Earth, I am the mutant Charles Xavier, and I bring you a message of hope. And then he stops there. And in Charles Xavier's mind, in his mind, he hears a voice back at him. And the voice tells him this. <clears throat> I love this so much. I've been waiting for you to announce yourself. You're not powerful enough to speak to the world at once. So I'm positing that you're using Cerebro. And frankly, you're not that confident. So I'm going to make another supposition that you're standing beside our old friend, Eric. And it's dope. As Maura McTaggart finally says, is something wrong, Professor X? Or Charles? And Professor X answers back, it's nothing. I just need, as he gets interrupted again by this voice in his head, I am not nothing. I am doomed. And Charles says, I'm about to address the entire world, Doom, not just you. And she continues on. So as I'm as I'm as impressed as I am that you can talk back as the pages now go show us. It's Victor Von Doom. It's Dr. Doom at his castle in Latveria. 
in an odd looking knight's mask slash Doctor Doom looking mask, but a cerebral mask of his own that he's able to talk to Charles. And I fucking love the pages and panels of Doom already. And Doom answers, ha, the hubris. I've been expecting this call. Do you think your pharmaceutical company is, could it escape my eyes? The shell corporations, the patents. You say you are a mutant, but you have human faults, pride, Greed. If you address the world, Charles, then you address doom. As Professor X responds back, yes, very clever. We are a sovereign nation, and I'm just about to tell the entire world what is on offer. If you would be so kind as to, as Professor X gets interrupted again, uh, Latveria will will be a no. And from one sovereign to another, I grant. I grant you grant you the professional courtesy of a quick answer on the pro- proposition you are about to make. I am the one with a gift this night. So listen well. You are not made for that crown you wear. This will end your ruin, Charles. It's doom. Uh, as Professor X rips off fucking Cerebral and, and tells now Mora McTaggart and Eric Eric Lynch for uh, Magneto. She tells him, fuck, it's fucking Doom. <laughs> the way uh, Dr. Doom is like in a, a fucking killer looking robe, like a bath robe, and, and talking to one of the most powerful mutants on Earth and the way he verbally just dissects and breaks down Charles Xavier on every fucking turn was fucking dope. And and that's why I loved it, dude. And how Doom is completely aware of everything that always happens. And he he is the leader of his sovereign nation, Latveria. And he treats his people well. Like he is a villain, yes, but but he has good tendencies depending on how you look at his ideology, is pretty much what it is. But I'm a villain guy. I'm at for the villain for a fucking reason. Like I love bad guys. Their stories are always way more compelling to me than, than a hero. And don't get me wrong. I love my heroes, but doom is one of those flawed characters that everything he does is just fucking badass. And he proves it right here by, by just again, verbally destroying fucking professor X and professor X fucking takes it. Like it's, it's fucking funny. You you don't expect that from professor X. And he's even like, fucking it's doom dude. Um, so again, now the story progresses as we see now, um, Dr. Doom with seven mutants of his own now and how he's started to strategize their strengths and weaknesses. And, it goes through their training with these particular seven mutants. Week one, month one, year one, as Doom is training these mutants now. And and this is what his dialogue as he's training them, as we're seeing these mutants of Latveria that he found on his home soil. <clears throat> training these mutants now. The House of X is built on sand. And that weak foundation will send Krakoa beneath the waves. The mutant nation's flaws are many, and there is a single critical point of failure. Charles Xavier. When the mutants he's gathered have been largely chewed up and spit out, and the sun sets on the mutant nation, the X-Men will invade Latveria and attempt to kidnap you, as he's talking to his mutants now. Latveria now. 
Remember well what I have said, my fellow Latverians. The mutant day of treachery is at hand. So he's training these these mutants, these doom mutants that he found on that Latveria lake. Few of them, well, one of them got is like in a freak show that he breaks out, and the way he's treating a character like a slave. It's interesting to see, and he's talking shit on Doom like, yeah, Doom told me to do this, and Doom's like, I gave no such word, as he breaks the mutant out of this this freak show, and he's like, follow me, I'll train you, I'll give you what you need. Um, okay, so that's the way bits and pieces Doom gathers these mutants are stories like this. So he's helping out these mutants, but he's also training them, and he's training them for a particular thing that I'll go into right now. So he trains this team now, and he's like, okay, today's the day. It's going to be our first fucking test. That story finally picks up now after the prior issue where a small crew of X-Men from the prior issue have just landed. And as soon as they land, uh, they just start scrapping with this young team, and this fight goes down. And the action is fucking dope. We see pages of each of these new characters, these Doom mutants, these mutants of Doom. I don't know what to call them yet. Um and how Doom came across them and, again, meticulously put this group together that were in Latveria. As the X-Men now are just getting fucking rocked. And it's just great to see Doom as he has seven mutants. <clears throat> he has two in particular. Like we, the way it's written, there is a page where Dr. Doom gives his his personal opinions on, okay, this mutant can do this, this mutant can do that, this mutant can do that. These two mutants right here, I cannot send out into the field yet because they are fucking powerful and they don't know how to control it yet. So you're going to go with this, but I don't want you guys to interact with these X-Men at all. So it's Wolverine, it's Kitty Pride, it's uh, Ms. Marvel, um, and one more character... And the X-Men are just getting fucking rocked by this rookie team. Uh, you got to hear the show Adam and I did because I think we called them the, the JV team versus uh, the B team X-Men. And they, they get rocked. But it was just great to see this fight sequence. And again, we see Doom like looking like a badass. But also, if the X-Men were to get the upper hand, we knew Doom can jump in the fight and the X-Men would be fucked anyways. Or more fucked. And he's telling his two powerful ones, like, no. Like, the two that stayed behind with Doom, they're watching the fight with Doom. And one of their Wolverine, like, jumps behind one of them and stabs him in the back. And it's like, oh, fuck, one of our guys went down. We have to jump in. He's like, nope, don't jump in at all. We're, I, you guys are just supposed to observe. And we see Dr. Doom just looking like a badass watching what's going down. Um, so interesting to see that. Uh, just very cool. I wrote down. Uh, so just dope even the dinner scene. <clears throat> the, the, this is the dinner scene. So they just get their asses kicked. And um, Doom's like, uh, you're not taking these mutants. So the Hellfire Gala X-Men title that came out. Uh, a bunch of X-Men got their ass... The, no, every X-Men got their asses kicked by Orcus. Um, they threatened Professor X to send the remaining mutants away, where two we don't necessarily know. Uh, for all we know, it looks like they were all murdered, mass murdered by Professor X. Uh, the mutants that did remain are former X-Men that 
professor trained uh, telepathically to use like okay if if you ever were to fight a very powerful telepath this is going to help you out so a lot of the x-men stayed behind now the threat also came to not just the x-men but every mutant a bunch of mutants that remained all the weaker ones of the world got put into concentration camps is all it is like that's not all it is like it's fucked up like we know the world this is why i love the x-men so much because it deals with racism and bigotry and hatred and those are all fucking things i hate and maybe because i'm a minority and maybe because you know i've felt tensions and racism before and as a kid it's something i was able to read and it's like poor fucking x-men so anyways um the ones that stayed behind mutant wise got and have been called into these concentration camps locked up um and the x-men are living underground completely underground they're living in the fucking sewers the the stronger x-men are in hiding and they were threatened by orcus saying if lily can you scratch your post later um lily she wants to scratch. Sorry, guys. Um, so uh, Orcus told the X-Men straight up, if we find any of you motherfuckers roaming the Earth, we're going to kill 10 mutants. If we see two of you out and about trying to save people, we're going to kill 100 humans. Um, if we, The more we find of you, the more we're going to fucking just kill, massacre humans. Um, it's fucked up. And the X-Men trying to do the right thing, it's like, okay, we have to go underground. Um, so now they're little by little trying to gather any mutants they can find, any remaining mutants. That's why they end up here on Atlavaria. They heard rumors that there were a bunch of mutants here. And it's cool. That's the only reason they went over. Like, we're here to save you guys. And Doom's mutants say, we've already been fucking saved. We don't. We don't need to fucking fight your fucking war is very interesting. And then this is where the dinner scene comes into play. <clears throat> is Doom, after the X-Men get their asses kicked, he's like, we'll finish talking in my castle. Uh, I'm going to have my servants prepare us a, a, a meal. And Kitty Pride, all the X-Men look around like, dude, he's going to fucking poison us. And Wolverine, funny, he's like, I need a lot of fucking carbs to, to have my healing factor kick in, and I got my ass kicked. So now they have this dinner. Um, all the mutants from both sides, the X-Men along with um, the Doom mutants. I don't know what to call, to call them yet. And uh, Dr. Doom telling them, like, I know this is the best meal you guys have had in a long time. I don't even know what the fuck you guys are eating in the sewers. Like, he knows everything. And it's just very cool. He's like, I, I get why you're here. But, like, they wouldn't have the balls to step on Latveria. Like, this is my sovereign nation. Um, your dad, Professor X, dropped the fucking ball. And just because he dropped the ball doesn't mean I'm going to drop the ball. Um, so he has a fondness for mutants. Dr. Doom does. Because technically, okay, his godchildren are Franklin and Valeria Richards. The Richards family is sue storm and reed richards so invisible woman and mr fantastic from the fantastic four uh their kids are mutants because even though sue storm and and reed richards gained powers gained abilities <clears throat> on a mission in outer space as astronauts the kids they have off of the abilities they have 
their kids are essentially mutants. So Dr. Doom has a, a fondness and affinity for mutants. And he has this group now. And he's telling the X-Men, like, it, we're, if it comes down to it, we're going to fucking war. Like, awesome. Because we are supposed to hate Doom. But he's well aware of what's going on. Like, if shit hits the fan. So he's like, um, finish up eating dinner. I'm, I'm fucking out. Peace out. As he walks out. <clears throat> And now the mutants are left all together now at the dinner table. Uh, the Doom mutants and and uh, the X-Men. And the conversation they have, like, uh, I guess the leader of the group tells the X-Men, like, we share the same DNA. So just know we were given the okay by Doom. If if the war ever comes, that we're going to... We'll, Doom said it was okay to help you guys out. So just very fucking cool. And I, that's probably going too much into the story. Actually, no, 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 because it still ends a certain gnarly way. I loved this fucking title. Um, this is going to be – fuck, this is book of the year candidate for me, which is odd because it's the end of the year and we have like three weeks to go. <clears throat> so, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the reviews. Um, I will catch you guys next week. Peace out. You know, I didn't know how long long would be. I always try to keep these under an hour. I'm a talker. I'm... Anyways, let's go back to question of the week. When I was younger, my biggest adversary was self-confidence issues. Um, I was a fat fucking kid. No, there's no nothing behind it than that. Um, I was a good kid. I was a smart kid. I was a book nerd. I was a bookworm. Uh, but I was also very street smart. Like I grew up in Santa Ana, so you gotta be street smart. But I was book smart and street smart, which I always love. The fuck that I have that ability <clears throat> and gained that, that knowledge of the streets. And I know that sounds fucked up, but really it's, it's a good thing to have both and not to say one bad about anything to, to about anyone that is only one or the other. Like street smarts aren't the best readers, but you can never, you know, judge a book by its cover. <clears throat> so when I was younger, just a fat kid, self-confidence. So once I joined wrestling in high school and lost weight and, I, and learned some discipline and hard work and losing the weight, it's like, okay, the confidence is finally coming into play. Um, like I always knew I was fucking funny. Like I was making – jokes all the time i would make fun of myself these bagging contests um i would make fun of myself i was used very self-deprecating humor like i would take people's ammunition away from them verbally so i can verbally dismantle them that's the way i did things and i still have that ability now um so that's when i was a younger kid um my biggest adversary I was thinking about this when I wrote it, and I'm like, fuck, your biggest adversary, Josias, is you. Like yourself, Josias is Josias's biggest adversary. <clears throat> and I started thinking about it. I'm like, that's not necessarily true. Like, I'm my harshest critic, yes. I'm the hardest on myself, yes. I think we all are, though. 
So thinking about it, I'm like, okay, I'm not my biggest adversary because I'm also my biggest fan. <laughs> that sounds terrible. No, um, I, the the pick yourself up, Josiah. Like you got this. You can fucking do this. Like you know the the confidence to do and attack the world. Um, very Doctor Doom. Um, and and thinking about it now that I'm older, uh, the, my biggest adversary right now is time. Is my biggest adversary. And I know it's going to sound weird, but let me continue on. Like I work two jobs. Um, I get home about 1030, 1045, sometimes 11 o'clock every night, Monday through Friday. And by the time I get home, I have no time to do anything. Um, I'll pop open a beer to unwind and I'll read. And sometimes all the time I'll have background noise going on, but I'll, I'll read. Uh, Monday through, well, let's say four days out of the week. Some days I'm so beat up, tired, and exhausted that it's like, I just don't want to read anything. Like, I need my eyes to rest. Like, not take a nap or go to sleep because I'm fucking wired by the time I get out of work. But um, that's what I do Monday through Friday. And sometimes reading can be a grind, which those days are the worst because it's something I love doing. Uh, getting, gathering content to do the show to begin with. And it's something I, I love doing, but sometimes you come across reads where it's like, this fucking is a grind. How many pages am I into this right now? And it's like, yeah, fuck this. This is not good. Um, happens sometimes. And sometimes it's just me being too fucking tired to enjoy anything like that. So I normally read at least three nights out of the week. And I know that sounds weird, and but that's what I do. That like That's what I'm saying. Time is not my friend. <laughs> um so Saturdays, Sundays, I sleep in finally Saturday because I wake up early for the office. I wake up Saturday and I clean the house, obviously, do the adulting stuff, which I need to do. Um, and then if I can, I'll read some more, like the work that's been going into the podcast already. Um, and then Sundays is I'm a football nerd. I'm a sports guy. So I wake up have my coffee, set my fantasy football league, and I'll watch football all fucking day. And I love it. And I'll cook dinner. Uh, so I know you're asking yourself, well, time, Josiah, how, how is time your biggest adversary? Uh, I, I always feel like I wish I had more hours in a day. And I know a lot of people are like, fuck, no, I don't want more hours in a day. Um, I, I could use a few more hours in, in the day sometimes. Um, I have the weekends off, so that's great. And I guess this is where ad my adversary is time is because it's not just my time, but it's what I do with my time. Where if I have something planned with friends to go out, family to meet on the weekends, go to dinner, visit friends, visit family, whatever, I make time for people. Um, I only have Saturdays and Sundays once I'm done cleaning to actually have time for myself to do anything. So when people cock block my fucking time um, and take away my time, I find it highly offensive. Like I don't have the luxury that people fucking do to even waste someone's time. The way people waste my fucking time is it sucks. And I, I sound like a dick for saying it because I always bend over backwards for anyone and accommodate anyone's schedules all the fucking time. Um, and I know a lot of people are, are, are unaware um, 
that they're they're taking up my time that I need for myself too. Like it's needed for all of us. It really, really is. Um, so time is my biggest adversary. And how's that for a love-hate relationship? Because every time I have the time to spend with family, friends, loved ones, people I care about, I'm always present. And that's what time should be, right? To be present in the moment and to enjoy the moment and enjoy time. And yet it's my biggest adversary right now. I know that was a long show and I hope that made sense to you guys. And if it doesn't make sense, hit me up. If you guys know what I'm talking about, let me know. If you think Josiah's you're fucking crazy, let me know. But just know that I love you guys and I will catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Listening as always, share the podcast. You guys rock. And again, this, this end of the year show, guys, I'm, I'm excited. I hope you guys, I really hope you guys like it. All right. Um, yeah, lots of surprises coming that one. All right. I'll catch you guys next week. Peace out.